I'm Sue Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Looking in zone for seven, and the diving attempt, did he get it? Touchdown! What a catch! The first NFL touchdown for Drew Lock. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. Now, here are your football priests to answer your burning Broncos questions on the hottest topics of the day. Okay, we are live. We're going to let the stream just open up and breathe, make sure it's nice and stable across all of our streaming platforms. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was kind of cool, a little bittersweet to see the announcement today from the NFL and the Pro Football Hall of Fame of who made the all-decade team of the 2010s. Of course, Vaughn Miller, no surprise, no shocker, but also Chris Harris made it. Zach, what was your reaction to that? You know, for the for the first half of the decade and for a little couple years afterward, he was deserving, Chad. He was the premier slot cornerback. He was one of the best overall cornerbacks in the NFL. And it was only last year that he'd begun to be, you know, slip off and his play started deteriorating. But it's well deserved for Chris Harris Jr. from undrafted free agent to all decade team. Just another feather in his cap. I'm sure he's feeling himself for that. Vaughn. You know, no surprise there. It just cements his uh, future Hall of Fame status. And uh, we talked about Elway making that pick at number two overall, how it took some cojones to be able to do that, and it just justifies that more for him. That is definitely the preeminent feather in Elway's cap, Von Miller. 
you know, these all decade teams can have a vast and, and big effect on a player's future hall of fame case, right? Like even Steve Atwater who just got into the hall this year, the fact that he was one of only two players, if I'm remembering this correctly, pretty sure I'm right on this one of only two players, including uh, Leroy Butler, who was also up for enshrinement this year, but one of only two players from the first team of the nineties, all decade team that wasn't enshrined in the hall of fame. And so, you know, a guy like Jeff Legwald, who did a great job persuading the voters to finally pull the trigger on Steve Outwater, you know, that's an omission. That's a that's a point that he can kind of hone in on and say, look, this guy made the all-decade team. He's one of only two players not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, and by the way, look at all these other accolades and the world championships and all that. And it all added up for, to and spelled good things for, for uh, Steve Outwater. I'm curious, Zach, to see how this might have – an effect on a player like Chris Harris's case many years down the road. Of course, he's, he's still got a few years left in the tank, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's right underneath the, the barometer to get into the Hall. I mean, he's been a phenomenal player for many years now. And the good thing about the All-Decade team, Chad, is it rewards consistency. It's your good for a 10-year span. And how many players can truly say that? It's it's taking the elite of the elite and forming it onto one uh, figurative team. So it helps his chances overall, but I think what would help it most is him going to the Chargers now and thriving there, re-getting his, his career back on the track and showing he's He's still a dominant lockdown corner at this stage of his career. If he can do that, I think he'll eventually knock on Canton's door. It really surprises me <clears throat> that Peyton Manning was not one of the quarterbacks. It was Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And I guess I shouldn't say it surprises me because he only played through half of the 2010. So I take that back. But the quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, just for what it's worth, in case you guys haven't seen the complete list. Uh, cornerbacks, the other corners to make this, Patrick Peterson, Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman, and Harris actually made it as a DB alongside uh, Teron Matthew, the Honey Badger. The safeties, Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, Eric Weddle. And then the other uh, the linebackers include Vaughn, of course, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willis, which is cool to see. Hmm. Patrick Willis gave some some props. Uh, let's see, Khalil Mack, Luke Keekley, and Chandler Jones. So I uh, suggest you guys, I'll put a link. Uh, you can check this out. I'll put a link in the stream. For the complete list, but yeah, kind of a newsworthy day. In fact, Zach, the main crux of today's show is we're going to go through, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, we, I think message, we might've DM'd about it, but last night I can't re- recall exactly, but I'm dying to get your take on this Greg Rosenthal ranking of Drew Locke at number 27. We're going to yeah. get to that guys here in just one second. First, a couple of really quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, you guys at huddle up pod. So many of you are and have followed the account on Twitter. Zach, I've received a lot of individual DMs and emails from great listeners who say, I am not on Twitter for a lot of different reasons. And if I were, I would follow you. Some have said I didn't have an account. I created an account so I could follow the Huddle Up pod. Really cool. But if you're on Twitter, that's up to you. That's your decision. But if you are, make sure you're following the podcast. And while you're at it, also the main account, at Mile High Huddle. And Zach, it was kind of cool. We got to flex a little bit again today when uh, the new rankings for the American Football podcast chart came out. And the Huddle Up Pod, I'll read this off to you real quick here. The Huddle Up Podcast 
number 62 overall, which is up eight wow. slots from last week. So Phenomenal. that's a uh, credit to our great listeners across the fruit of plant, across the world, but and especially those who listen after the fact as a as a downloadable podcast on Apple Podcasts. I was going to say it's it's less a flex for us and more of a flex of our listeners and Broncos country as a whole. We we truly have, not just because the numbers show, because the interaction, because the consistency and the dedication that we have with our listeners, Broncos fans are the best, not just in the NFL as far as I'm concerned, the best in the entire world. And it would be nothing without you guys. It's not just a cliche. We're not just saying that it is the truth. This is as much your show as it is ours, and we love interacting with you. And we thank you so, so much for making that possible. Very well said, my friend. Those of you who are listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it. You take some time. When you get some time, leave a creative review. Rate the show. It's an organic way to support what we're doing. And even if you're not on Apple Podcasts, you want to support the show in an organic way, however you're watching this video right now, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you're watching, like it, share it. Those are two simple ways to support the cause in an organic way. We appreciate you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's grab this story. Greg Rosenthal. First off, I'm just going to read what he said to justify his ranking, Okay. Number 27, Drew Locke. Here's what he said. Quote, the allure of upside of finally finding a young solution at quarterback is strong. What the heck is he talking about? It's why John Elway once offered a top shelf deal to Brock Osweiler and why the Broncos are apparently all in on Locke after five dramatic starts that were uneven, if promising. (sighs) 
for a rookie. Uneven. Bron- the Broncos would be crazy <laughs> not to look into signing Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, oh my Jameis God. Winston as a plan B. Now we're going to dissect this, but I want your gut reaction out of the gates. He went four and one. What are you talking about? Uneven and and you're using Brock Osweiler as a way to make the argument against Drew Locke. What do the two things have to even do with each other, Chad? That's a non sequitur as far as I'm concerned. The reason they got Drew Locke is because of Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. Those moves didn't work out. You can't blame Osweiler like you can't blame Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch. It's this day and age. It's a year by year basis. It's reaching. I, I, I'm gonna. I have more I have to say, Chad, as we get into it. But it's just a giant reach from another NFL.com writer. We saw it with Peter Schrager with his ridiculous mock draft. We heard it last year with Adam Rank. It seems like that outfit has an axe to grind with the Broncos, and it's not rooted in reality. It's rooted in delusion. Well said. I mean, here's just not so much playing devil's advocate, but let's just look at the numbers. On its surface in his five starts, uh, let me get to it real quick. I scrolled past. Bear with me one sec. All right. He had 1,020 passing yards. He completed 64.1% of his passes, which, again, speaks to the work he put in in that 10-week exile, getting from the point he started at as a draft pick back in April to where he finally debuted in week 13. It was a quantum leap for him. I mean, the big concern about Drew Locke, one of several, coming out of Missouri, Zach, was his completion percentage, right? His accuracy. And, and the, yeah, it's a plus that he can move his arm and throw at different angles, but his accuracy and completion percentage – 64.1 is really solid for any NFL starter, let alone a rookie debuting in his first five games. Touchdown to interception ratio of seven to three. And that's fine and dandy. But Zach, what matters the most here is Locke's performance. We've talked about it on this podcast many, many times. It translated to the win column. Yes. Which you cannot say to either or any of the other fellow 2019 rookie quarterbacks. In fact, Locke of that rookie class is the lowest ranked for on this Rosenthal list here. Let me just list really quick where everyone else stands. The next closest is Dwayne Haskins at 26, Daniel Jones at 24, Gardner Minshew at 22, and guess who's all the way up in the top 10 at number six? Kyler Murray. Now, mm. before I serve this back over to you, let me explain to our listeners in detail what I mean by the win column. Murray started all 16 games for the Arizona Cardinals. Good for him. But he posted a .313 winning percentage, Zach. Minshew started 12 games for the Jacksonville Jaguars, beat the Broncos in week four. Good for him. Posted a 500 winning percentage. Daniel Jones started 12 games for the Giants, posted a lackluster uh, .250 winning percentage, 250. And then Haskins started nine games for the Redskins, posting a .285 winning percentage lock posted a .800 winning percentage. I don't give a crap about completion percentage, touchdowns, yards, interceptions, sacks, fumbles. I care about QB wins. Not rating, not QBR, QB wins. He went 4-1, and one, Chad. He did not just win four games. He upset the Chargers. He upset the Texans. He ended the season on a winning streak. And he did so with what? He had one good wide receiver, 
uh, uh, now that we've seen a, a non-workhorse running back, a rookie tight end, a lackluster offensive line, and a broken offensive system who the Broncos, they got rid of their coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He still did that 4-1, and one, rookie, raw, coming out of college. He was injured. He was inactive. And what I find more comical than the Drew Locke take is he suggests the Broncos signed Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. Talking about consistency, Cam Newton missed the entire season last year. Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year. 30. NFL record interceptions. That's consistent, though. That's a better option than having Drew Locke, who's a fraction of the cost, who's gelled with the team, who's providing hope at the position. It's another proof. It's just another sign that the national media does not tune into the Broncos like we do. They take a cursory look over the recent history, the recent Broncos quarterback carousel, and they apply that retroactively to what they have now. It's apples and bowling balls. And for someone like Rosenthal, who prides himself on being this hero, if you follow his Twitter account, it's it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's not rooted in fact. It's rooted in a, a biased, non-subjective opinion. What really jumps out to me is, and I think what explains something like this, in fact, I'll just, I'll just uh, bear with me one second. All right. Locke has a lot to prove still. My gut is that any national analyst, Zach, that's unwilling to give him his just due, give him his props, it's some sort of ax they have to grind on the player. Like maybe they had a specific pre-jap evaluation on Drew Locke or some kind of a bold prediction that they need to now justify well into the future. It's a confirmation bias of sorts. It affects each and every journalist and analyst out there, ourselves included. We have to be cognizant of confirmation yes. bias and strive not to succumb to it. In this case, listen, I don't know the full extent of Rosenthal's evaluation on Drew Locke coming out of Missouri, but if I were a betting man, Zach, I would wager there was some kind of a skepticism that he would succeed in the NFL. Maybe he's not a rap fan, Chad. Maybe he's not a young Jeezy <laughs> fan and he hates the Drew Locke raps put on. I Maybe his favorite team, whoever it is, he wanted him to draft Drew Locke, them to draft Drew Locke. I don't know what it is, but to say that he was up and down and inconsistent, he went 4-1 and one and re-sparked the entire team, and he went in a 2020, no quarterback competition. He should have taken his cues from John Elway, and when John Elway said, this is the guy, that's a major omission. So if they did their research and they weren't just going on opinion and getting clicks and likes and clout, they would have realized Locke is the answer. Answer, and that article would not even existed. But more NFL.com folly, Shad. It's what we've come to know from them. Excellent point. The last thing I want to say about this, and you you spoke to it. Look, what rookie is not on some level inconsistent? It's a matter of how inconsistent, what right. kind of peaks and valleys. Is there a steady production? Again, look at the win column. The thing to take away, two things from Drew Locke as a rookie. Number one, was the quantum leap he took going from a 10-week exile of doing absolutely nothing, sitting on his thumbs almost literally, to basically taking the Mile High City by storm from week exactly. on. Not only that, Zach, I don't want to bog down the podcast going through each and every start, but each start, each win, each game, he had to find a way to win a little bit differently. You know, each game took on a different complexion. And what's encouraging great point. about that is that it showed that he has the wherewithal I mean, even look at the Oakland game. That's He won ugly in that game. He didn't play bad. He didn't play poorly. He didn't play great. He was solid enough to do what it took on the small things when the chips were down to come out of that game with a win. Sure, it helped that Shelby Harris did what he did, tipping that pass at the end when they tried to go for that two-point conversion. But the bricks had already been laid by Locke and company up to that point, hedging against it. So that's, that's the last thing I'll say. Drew Locke, 
Number 27, I mean, I don't want to go through each the, the entire list on who this guy has ranked ahead of Drew Locke, but Dwayne Haskins even, one ahead of Drew Locke, you have got to be kidding me. It's a great point you just made, Chad. I want to just add on one thing to that. Not only did he show he can win in different ways, but he bounced back from adversity. He took his first loss and came back and won games after that. So it just shows the mental makeup. It's not just physical talent. That's Paxil Lynch proof. You need mental. That's arguably more important than having physical arm talent. Drew Locke has both. He is a prototypical franchise quarterback. I don't know if he hit on Greg Rosenthal's girlfriend. I don't know if he sent him a nasty DM one time. I don't know the deal, but to put Dwayne Haskins ahead of Drew Locke is just biased to me. It's ridiculous. All right, let's shift gears. Whoop. Where'd that go? Here it is. No, that's not. Oh, I know what I got to do. Hold on one sec, guys. There we go. All right, let's shift gears and grab the super chat from Marcos here, $2 super chat. Appreciate you, you, Marcos. He says, who will have the most sacks on the team in 2020? Zach, it's a question I think that comes down to two guys, right? Is it going to be Vaughn Miller or is it going to be Bradley Chubb? What's your gut telling you? Oh, man. Last year, I predicted that uh, Bradley Chubb would overtake Vaughn Miller, but I'm thinking Vaughn bounces back this year. He's more Vaughn. He's more what we come to know from him, and, and Chubb is going to kind of slowly assimilate back into the mix. It's not just coming back from the injury. It's coming back from the extended time off, and with no offseason program, no training facility open to him, it's going to delay his his comeback just a little bit. So I'm going to say Vaughn has more sacks than Chubb, but they're both, I think, going to reach double digits. They're both going to combine for at least 25 sacks this year. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Bronx legend jumps in. $2 super chat. Appreciate you, you, my Bronx. friend. He says, do you guys think Locke can light it up this year? 
Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, you know, we did the over under thing, I think on last on yesterday's show from one of our awesome questions. But I think if you kind of set the minimum bar at around 3,500 passing yards and around 24, 25 touchdowns, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Like, look at what Daniel Jones, who is ranked a few spots higher here by Rosenthal on the list over Drew Locke, 12 games, he threw 24 touchdowns, a lot of turnovers, a lot of picks, and especially lost fumbles. I mean, he was giving the ball away at at almost a Jameis Winston-level rate. It's just that they weren't all interceptions. But nevertheless, the production on the, you know, from his touchdown perspective and his yardage was really solid. He is nowhere near as dynamic and talented a quarterback, trust me on this, as Drew Locke. So I think that's kind of the floor for Locke in, in 2020, Zach. Yeah, I would say 25 and 10, 25 and 12 is the floor. And listen, he's going to throw some picks. Not only being a second-year player and a first-year starter, he's a natural gunslinger. Brett Favre threw a ton of picks. It's the kind of game he likes to play. Jay Cutler as well. We all know how many comparisons there's been to Jay Cutler and Drew Locke. He's going to have his interceptions, but his touchdown total, especially if the Broncos add a Henry Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb or whoever, is going to skyrocket. I would say the bare minimum floor for him is 25 over a 16-game season. Super chat, superstar Ed jumping in ten dollar donation. Wow. Thank, Thank you, Edward. Means, means a lot. Thank you. Do you guys think the Broncos will win the AFC West? Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag state of being. That would be a, a bold prediction indeed. If you see it happening that way, we don't yet know exactly how the schedule is going to play out. We don't know yet how the draft is going to shake out for not only the Broncos but the Chiefs and um, the other teams in the in the division. But Zach, this early, if you can formulate an answer, what's your answer for Ed? I think the Broncos get back into the playoffs, but knocking off the Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl victory, it's going to be tough. They would have to sweep them and get some help in the AFC, but if they can just take care of their own business, Chad, and make the playoffs via a wild card, get to a 9-10 win season with a first-year starting quarterback like Drew Locke, that would be a phenomenal success. Right now, if I had to tell you on April 6th, I do not think they will win the West. I do think, however, however, they will capture a wild card. Uh, So I think that would be phenomenal in Vic Fangio's second year. All right, let's grab Drew, one of our super chat superstars, rocking the the uh, football priest hat like That's a true boss. Appreciate that donation so much, especially best. during these times. That really means a lot to us, my friend. He says, "I'm at work right now because I'm essential. Can't stay." That Rosenthal thing about Locke is absolutely laughable. That's basically what I said. Zach is don't make me laugh. I think we've already uh, flogged that horse to death, but. Again, you ranked – how can you take anybody seriously that ranks Dwayne Haskins based off the rookie contributions, respectively, over Drew Locke? Give me a break. It's when you're when you're dead set into a, a bias, and I can think of a political comparison that I won't mention right now. When you're locked into your own thinking, when you get an idea in your head and run with it, nothing will change your mind. Facts, stats, numbers. It's obvious that Greg Rosenthal has an axe to grind against either the Broncos or Drew Locke or both. And that's why he'd rank someone like Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins, who offer to me, I did not like them coming out of college, but they are not the same player and athlete and quarterback like Drew Locke is. So it's one man's opinion, but I don't think it's rooted in much reality. All right, bear with me one sec, guys. I just did a double check to make sure, see if it happened, and it did indeed. The comment stream jumped from Ed 
to Drew and it skipped a few people in between. So let me hurry and put this in the system really quick so that we can get these awesome super chats in. We don't want anyone out in the cold. Bear with me one second, guys. You know, I hate having to do this as a fallback option, but at least we can do this live. Let's grab Anthony here. $5 super chat. We appreciate you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Zach, what can Denver do to make a huge splash and steal the show in round one of the draft? Hashtag football priest, hashtag state of being from West Virginia. Good. Thanks for checking in, Anthony. A huge splash. They want to create a tidal wave. They trade up for Isaiah Simmons in the top eight, top 10 picks. Uh, a minor splash, a wave they can create would be to trade up for a Henry Ruggs at number 10, number 11, number 12. Either way, if they get either an instant impact playmaker on defense or an instant impact wide receiver, that's how they seal the show. If they go and show the aggressiveness and the want to to get their guy, if they can make a, a classic John Elway trade, then they would capture the headlines. But they might just be content to sit back and, and let the player fall to them at 15. You know, it was inconvenient, Bob Morris's uh, findings, but this article he published this afternoon, basically taking a look at what history says the Broncos need to do in the draft if they want to maximize their odds of hitting on an impact wide receiver. And unfortunately, I'll let you guys go read it, but it kind of goes against what I've been saying in terms of my preferred method. And that is basically that if you want one, you got to go early. If you want to maximize the odds of that player hitting. And so based on what we're hearing it wouldn't surprise me talking about making a splash to see John Elway maneuver to get whichever wide receiver he's got his heart set on. I'm not making that as a bold prediction, but it wouldn't surprise me. Speaking of super chat superstars, the the uh, superstar formerly known as James, now going by DeWalter on uh, YouTube, jumped in, $5 super chat. Appreciate you. your brother. He says, and by the way, you still never reached out to us to get us your personal deeds so we can see, send you some swag as a as a thank you. So milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Don't forget, take care of that. Chris Harris Jr. is in no way, shape, or form a Hall of Fame player. The fact it's even brought up is laughable. You have to have such an impact that you change the game. I don't think that's necessarily a requisite just to have a friendly disagreement with you there, James or DeWalter. If you did change the game, that's a that's a big plus column on your resume for the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, if you look at the people that are in the Hall right now, how many of those players can actually say they changed the game? Very few of them. I mean, changed right. the game. Very few of them. If all the players in the Hall changed the game to the technical term, the game would look a lot different. It'd be constantly evolving. You can make giant contributions to the game and still get in. And I don't think Chris Harris Jr. is worthy of the Hall just yet, like I mentioned, but he has been the best slot cornerback for the last decade. He went from an undrafted guy to being a Pro Bowler to being a Super Bowl champion to now being on the all-decade team. That is not nothing. That deserves props, and that, that adds to his Hall of Fame caliber potential resume. I don't think he's there yet, but you have to acknowledge what he's done for the NFL the last 10 years. Indeed. Jonathan jumps in, one of our Super Chat superstars for a long time, with a $20 awesome. Super Chat. Thank you, Thank John. you so much, Jonathan. He says, thanks for all the great content during this uncertain time. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Denver Broncos. For life, and speaking of superstars, again, John, thanks, my friend. We got to grab uh, one of the comedians in our community here. Let me, uh, whoops, where'd it go? There it is. Let me update this real quick so we can put him on, put him on screen. Bear with me one sec. You know him, you love him, Mark Langley. 
in the hizzy. $5 super chat. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. You know, we appreciate you, my friend. He says, what's up, my guys? I like the running back duo. Lindsay, a troll doll on crack. <laughs> Gordon, a Jamaican doll on crack. So that's my, analog- my analogy. You guys take uh, care. Take care. Thanks. Yes. Thank goodness for Zach sometimes translating something. But- <laughs> that's funny. I don't know if that's a compliment or a diss for right. Lindsay and Gordon, but that's pretty funny. All right. That's all that uh, we missed in the stream doing one of its – Usual jumps on us. Let's grab a. Uh, let's grab one of these questions here. <laughs> Troll doll on crack. Charlie Beagle on YouTube. If Dwayne Haskins is so great, why are they talking about maybe taking another quarterback in in uh, the first rounds? That fair point. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, there's so much upheaval. It's a new coaching staff, and Ron Rivera doesn't have any allegiance to Dwayne Haskins, but they still have Alex Smith under contract. They have Haskins. Uh, I think they brought back Colt McCoy as well. I don't see them moving up for a quarterback, but that's a good point. If they, he was that good, if he was that deserving of being rated over Locke, there wouldn't be any doubt about his status. There's no doubt about Locke's status, though. He is the starting quarterback, and he is probably the, the franchise quarterback. So it just adds more credence to Rosenthal's article that had none of it. You know, and that, again, we're talking about John Elway, the guy that has been the biggest sucker ever since Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning made him a sucker. If anyone's going to make you a sucker for the veteran retread, it's going to be Peyton Manning. But Elway was fooled twice by the likes of Case Keenum, by the likes of Joe Flacco. And yet this spring he had the opportunity to go balls out for Tom Brady, who he has gone on record many times, Elway, as saying that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. That's his opinion. That's not me making a statement. Elway has said that didn't pursue Tom Brady. There's a reason why, and it needs to be recognized. All right, let's grab JD here, who on Facebook wants to know, who would be a surprise pick for the Broncos this year in the draft? It's funny you should ask, my friend, because last night I checked in with Nick. We put our heads together, Nick Kendall of Building the Broncos, and put together an article that is five dark horse picks for the Broncos, five candidates that not – many people are talking about as legit possibilities for Denver at 15. Zach, just to list five of them, then I'll, th- these five, and then I'll throw it over to you. Christian Fulton, the corner of LSU. Neither one of us love that as an option. Xavier McKinney, the safety DB from mm-hmm. Alabama. Neither one of us love that as an option. Derek Brown, the big defensive tackle from Auburn. Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU. And then Denzel Mims, a wide out, of course, we all know from Baylor, runs a 4-3-8. But, Zach, those are five potential dark horses. We could probably list a few more. It's hard to know what to believe. This is the lying season, right? right. Mike Kliss talked about the Broncos are going to do something that no one's expecting them to. They're not going to do what everyone thinks they're going to do. I'm dying to see mm-hmm. how it shakes out. You know, we still got about two and a half weeks, though, till the real thing comes. That, to me, sounds like a smokescreen, Chad. What he's being fed right now, Mike Kliss, being the mouthpiece of the Broncos, it seems like maybe they're putting it out there for a reason. I would add C.J. Henderson there to be a top dark horse pick at 15. And just to be clear, I wouldn't like any defensive backs at 15. Definitely not a safety. They have Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. Cornerback can wait. It has to be, for my money, a wide receiver or an offensive lineman. I can maybe get on board with Javon Kinlaw at 15, but Derek Brown doesn't move the needle for me. A cornerback of safety doesn't do it for me. It has to help Drew Locke. That first-round pick has to be dedicated and committed to helping Drew Locke. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Kyle on Facebook says NFL media has always hated the Broncos, only changed when a big name like Peyton Manning was signed and was torching people back down to the dungeons once he was gone. It's a fair point. And based on these last few big headline grabbing Bronco implication type articles, it's hard to uh, argue against that as far as NFL media. Speaking of super chat, superstars, George jumping in $10 super chat. Thank you, George. Amazing. Appreciate it. Drew Locke's only loss was to the Super Bowl champs in the snow, and I'll add, on the road. That 27 ranking is absurd, Zach. It is, and like I said, even after that game, he bounced back. He put that loss behind him, and that's where the Paxton Lynch comparisons die, Chad, because Paxton Lynch would have been in a turtle shell. He would have been just completely done mentally. He would have taken a step back. Drew Locke actually got better after that loss. He became a more complete quarterback. He took a step forward. That was so encouraging to me, and that's why he has all the traits of a true franchise quarterback. Bronco Fanatic 97 on YouTube says, I wonder if Greg Rosenthal had the same opinion of Patrick Mahomes when he took over for Alex Smith in 2018 after starting only one game the previous year. (laughs) Probably. You know, I don't know if he had rankings – Back then, I don't know if this is a one-time thing. I don't follow Rosenthal enough to know, but that is a good point. It is, and uh, it's it's again, it's just looking at one cursory stat or one cursory player and, and forming a basis of opinion around that just to garner clicks, chat, just to sell negativity and sell controversy. If he was telling the truth, that article wouldn't be read. It wouldn't be discussed right now, but because he made such an absurd claim, an absurd take, we're discussing it right now. So in the end, he got what he wanted. Kenneth Booker wants to know on YouTube, any thoughts is Rug is gone? Should we think about any thoughts if Rug is Rugs is gone? Should we think about KJ Hamler of Penn State in the later rounds? He's a small guy, but had eight touchdowns last year and should be considered. Yeah, Zach, I mean that's an option. And even if the Broncos do get Rugs, 
I think it was Benjamin Albright. Now this is going back a ways. This was pre-combine that he reported this, but he basically passed on the buzz that it wouldn't surprise him to see the Broncos double dip at wide receiver in this draft. And if that happens, my gut is probably they double dip first round and still somewhere in a premium round, like in the third round again. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I could see first and third, second and fourth, but I I wouldn't look for the Broncos going back to back, Chad, in the first and second round or third and fourth round. They have to divvy up their picks and spread it around to other parts of the roster. I wouldn't cry if it was Hamler, but I prefer to get a tier one wide receiver first before writing him off and going to the second tier. Joe Jube jumps in on Twitter. He says, my only thing with Locke is that there's only a five-game foundation or five-game sample size. There is a lot I don't know about Locke. And that is a fair point, right? There's, I mean, we've said that on this podcast multiple times since the season ended that the sample size is small. Um, he still has a lot to prove. And all those things are true. But to pretend that in those five games, right. he didn't show you something, that he didn't prove many things. I mean, the book's still open on him. He's got a lot to prove, but we can draw some conclusions from what we saw from Locke in those five games. Now, are they overarching to span, you know, 10 years? Probably not. But are they enough to span what will be the remainder of his rookie contract? I think so. It wasn't just that he started five games, though. He came in cold, Chad. He came in with, a, a, I would say, a, a subpar supporting cast. He came in after missing so much time, and he wasn't exactly playing the Dolphins and the Bengals. I mean, he beat the Texans. He beat the Chargers. Those are good football teams. He beat the Raiders. That's not easy. That's something that Locke led the team to victory on the strength of his shoulder from. So it's not just a small sample size. It's what he showed during those five games. And like I said, I don't really care about quarterback rating, pass or efficiency. I care about wins. And Locke went 4-1. and one. That's good enough for me for 2020. Super chat. Superstar Ron jumping in with the $5 super. We appreciate you, you, my brother. brother. He says, hey guys, I see a Pro Bowl season from Locke. At least 30 touchdowns. Assuming we get rugs, do you see him or Sutton, uh, Sutton getting more than uh, getting more touchdowns? So if you got rugs in the fold, do you have more touchdowns? That's a really good question. I'm going to go with the proven guy slightly more in this case. And Sutton, you know, he's no slouch in the touchdown department. I think he had six last year, and that was with three different quarterbacks thrown in the ball. I mean, he we, we've seen what a weapon he can be in the red zone, which was why it was so frustrating sometimes. The only way you saw Rich Scangarello, <clears throat> excuse me, try to feature Sutton in the red zone was a fade. And he hauled in quite a few of them. However, there's a, more than one way to skin that cat inside the red area to capitalize on his skill set. And I think Pat Shermer is an offensive mind that should be able to get more out of that. Ruggs will help Sutton more than Sutton will help Ruggs. Just the basis of, of Ruggs being on the field, being that speedy decoy, he would free up Suggs to make Suggs. He would free up Sutton to make more one-on-one plays down the field. And there's no such thing with Cortland Sutton as 50-50 balls, Chad. They're like 70-30, 80-20. You throw it up to him, he's either going to draw a flag or come down with the reception. He is going to have more touchdowns this year, and having that speedy wide receiver, too, will have more one-on-one opportunity for Sutton and lead to more touchdowns and points on the board. Jeff jumps in, Super Chat Superstar with the $2 Super. Thank Appreciate you, Jeff. It, Jeff. He says, what quarterback does Locke remind you of? You know, Locke reminds me, there's a few quarterbacks that jump out, Zach, when I think pro, com- or, you know, comparing Drew Locke. Jay Cutler is an obvious one from a skill set perspective yeah. and a body build, you know, the arm, the whole. I mean, I think Cutler had a bigger arm. Locke does have an elite arm strength, but even Cutler, like, man, that dude could – could throw a marshmallow through a battleship. That dude's arm was legit. 
Um, so there are aspects of Jay Cutler. There are aspects of Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. you know, because Mahomes is like the quintessential point guard playing quarterback in the NFL. And Locke has some of that too. From a pers- from a from a persona, <clears throat> personality type perspective, I'm not sure on that. I think that's one thing where Locke is kind of his own unique creature. You know what I'm saying? Like how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL – you see on the sideline during a game rapping to whatever the stadium's <laughs> playing on full blast, you know? So there, I think there are a lot of physical skill set type comparisons you can make, but he is very unique in terms of his intangibles. Perfectly said, Chad, based on physical comparisons, but I see in his persona and his character, a lot of Brett Favre. He, he just has so much fun out there. They're both gunslingers. They both love the game. They both give it their all, but Favre on the sideline, you watch the old NFL films highlights. He's always clowning around. He's dancing. He's he's ribbing his teammates, and I, I definitely see a lot of Favre and Drew Locke, and if he can aim to live up to either half of what Brett Favre is or Patrick Mahomes, the Broncos have a very, very, very good quarterback for many years drew's bringing up also matt stafford excuse me who's another quarterback that Locke received a lot of comparisons to coming out of missouri and buana is reminding us in fairness to nfl.com and greg rosenthal that the list also included young age as a positive and rookie contract deals which is why some of the rankings were so off which Fair enough, but what? some of those still, even based on that, Buana, some of those rankings, it's, you're, you're scratching your head going, what in the well, is going on? The thing on? is, though, if you're comparing it by contract, wouldn't Haskins and Jones being first-round picks, they have a bigger contract than Locke, who's a second-round pick, so wouldn't Locke right. be ahead of them based on that? It's just so right. inconsistent, and again, it's not rooted in facts. It's rooted in opinion and bias. Horrible article. All right, let me see. It's about to do one of its jumps, and there's nothing I can do to stop it, so let me scroll up really quick here. The joys of modern technology. Zach, really quick, let's grab uh, – why don't you grab – well, I'll, real quick, this is more of a comment. Albert jumps in, $5 super. Appreciate you. you, Albert and Michelle. Jameis Winston was uh, consistent last season, about two interceptions <laughs> per game. That's for dang sure, and there's a reason he's still languishing out there on the market. David Kilgore jumps in, $20 wow. super. Appreciate Thank you, David. David. Truly a becoming a superstar. He says, how well do you guys believe that Tom Brady will do in Tampa? Will the Bucks make the playoffs? Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag Garden City, Kansas. In enemy territory. That's cool, David. Um, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady's prospects in, in Tampa? Well, he walked into a pretty good situation with uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard. He's set up offensively with Bruce Arians. I mean, the sky's the limit offensively. It's just Tom Brady at 43 isn't Tom Brady at 37. Isn't Tom Brady at 33, 28, 25. He's not the same quarterback. I think he'll keep them in contention, but I don't see him hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in Tampa. I think it's going to be a one, two-year experiment, and I think he'll walk away from the game. I don't see the Bucks being Super Bowl champions because they got Tom Brady. It would They're going to have a better season. It's going to sell a lot of tickets, draw a lot of headlines and uh, national televised games. I, I don't see it leading to another title for Tom Brady, though. I don't either. I don't think you're going to see Tom um, kind of recapitulate the Peyton Manning story in Tampa I don't think that's going to happen. We're just out of sync with Mark tonight. The the stream jumped him twice, so I'm going to vault him here. Jumps in another $5 super. Appreciate you, Mark. Mark. Zach is QB1 in his analogy. He just went 100% (laughs) perna. That's why I like this guy. He is so damn honest, and he doesn't give a crap about QB percentage. You You go. Appreciate that. Yeah, that is – that's cool, dude. Still using perna like that just cracks me up. 
Um, all right, one, a couple more, including Michael, Jeff, and Stu, that the stream passed. So let me vault you guys really quick here. Bear with me one second. We'll grab uh, Michael right here. $5 super. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Assuming we have a good draft, where do you think our offense will rank this year? I think that you're going to see this offense, you know, still going to be replete with young players, including the quarterback. I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, two step forward, one step back. It's going to happen. But ultimately, I think this is going to be a top 15 offense when the dust settles. And if the defense can get into shape and fully kind of come into the form that Vic Fangio has had in years past and what's in his between his ears, and that ends up being a top 10 defense, having a top 10 D and a top 15 offense more often than not is a recipe for the playoffs. I'm not going to say they're going to be the next show on turf, the greatest show on turf, the Broncos. I'm not going to say they're going to be a top five offense, maybe not even a top 10 offense, but I'm putting the lowest barometer at top 15 and, and more realistically, probably top 12. You add a Henry Ruggs, a CeeDee Lamb, a Jerry Judy to an already stacked offense. You have Drew Locke. You have a better offensive coaching staff. You have Fangio's defense. Great point that Chad made it. They have a swarming top five defense. Get the ball back for the offense more. Top 12 should be the minimum. And if they can have a top 12 offense and a top 10 defense, that's playoffs right there. Jeff jumps in again. Appreciate you, Jeff, with the $5 super. Thank you, Jeff. You're the man. He says, two of the four games were almost losses. Guys, all in on luck, but there was some luck in the Oakland and Chargers game. Came down to a defensive PI call in the Chargers game. Hashtag lock era. And, but here's, here's my point, Jeff. Here's one thing you got to keep in mind on that topic, because you're not wrong. But every football game has an element of luck. The way the yeah. cookie crumbles, you know, the way the dominoes fall, however you want, whatever analogy you want to use, there's a little bit of luck, but the truly consistent, uh, you know, the best players in the league find a way. What, what's that? What's the phrase Elway uses? Uh, it's better to be lucky than good or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not even fair to Drew Locke, but there is some some truth in that. The balls were bouncing for him the way they weren't bouncing for Joe Flacco, and that's not a coincidence. That's just the way the game goes when you put yourself in a better chance to win. We could have said the same thing about Joe. I mean, he those couple games he played, the Broncos were a bad breakaway, a flag, a, a fumble away from winning. But listen, I am never going to apologize for wins. I don't care if it's by one point, by 100 point. I don't care if it comes down to a penalty, a fumble, a turnover. The Broncos won those games with Drew Locke under center. And it's no coincidence they ball bounced correctly for them versus before with Joe Flacco. From Mount Rushmore, Stu jumping in with a $10 super chat. We appreciate you Thank so you, much, Stu. Stu. The best. You know, uh, you know, it means the world to us each and every time. And you're so consistent and outgoing and passionate. And uh, I hope you know, we really, really love you. Don't get weird about it, all right? Don't take it the wrong way. We just think you're a, a platonic cat. All right, one more here, and then we can get to normal um, normal supers here. Speaking of a superstar, up in Canada, you guys know who we're talking about here. Let's grab him. Proving, as always, that Broncos country is. is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. It's wherever you are. Terry Randall, $5 super. Thanks, bro. Thank you. He says, if locks over under for interceptions is at 10, what are you taking? Hashtag football priest, hashtag state of being. You taking the over or you taking that under? I'm taking the over, but barely. If if the Broncos allow him to play his game, Chad, the way he wants to play, if they allow him to be a gunslinger and don't try to force him into a square hole with him being a round peg, he will have more than 10 picks. 
That same token, though, it's just the kind of game he plays. He is a natural gunslinger, like I mentioned before. So he might have 12 picks, but he'll have 32 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns. That's just the good and the bad you're going to get. He's never going to be a game manager. He's never going to be a overly cautious, a Trevor Simeon type. And you don't want that from Drew Locke. You want that explosive taking chance, taking risks when applicable, and just uh, pushing the ball down the field. And if he can do that, I'm, I'm putting in about 12, 13 picks, which is still really good for a first-year starter. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Let's grab uh, Brian here, the record holder, Super Chat, Mount Rushmore himself, Superstar Brian Greenfield jumps in, $5 Super. Appreciate you, Brian. Russell Wilson was number three on the list. What a joke. Then you have Murray at six. He couldn't hold Wilson's jockstrap. WTF. Very well said, Zach. Who was below Russell Wilson? I love to see the the top ten of the list. It's just uh, Kyler Murray being number six. Here, based me, on why don't you uh <clears throat> g- grab our friend discounts here right. and i'll pull up the article again daw jumping in with a five dollar super chat we appreciate you as always thank you yeah. so much he says appreciate what's up you, what's up fellas do you see any more money saving cuts lock 27th uh it's okay lock will ball this season keep sleeping on us yeah first of all the broncos thrive on disrespects they should they should be wanting more of these hit pieces coming out in these negative articles they thrive going underneath the radar Money-saving cuts, one screams to mind to me. That should have been made two years ago. Jeff Hireman. He would save about 3.85 against the cap. They don't need him. They have Fant. They signed Nick Vanette. They have Fumagalli, a host of other young players. That is the one guy that comes to mind immediately. It's a no-brainer move. And why he's still on the roster, Chad, is beyond me. I think the only other guy that you could even throw in is Todd Davis. Yeah. And the only way I would see that be in a consideration for this team is if they ended up going linebacker in round one, maybe in an and in round two. If it's a round one or round two linebacker, maybe they second guess whether or not they really need Todd Davis's additional $5 million cap charge this year. Other than that, but I don't think that's going to happen, honestly. I think Todd Davis, he's just one of those players that doesn't garner a lot of love from the fans or the media, but his coaches and his teammates love him. So Something to consider. Now, here's to answer your question, Zach. Number one is Pat Mahomes, no surprise, on the list for Rosenthal. Number two, Lamar Jackson, three, Wilson, as mentioned. Four, Deshaun Watson. Five is Carson Wentz. Mm. Six is Kyler Murray. Seven is Dak Prescott. I'll go go through the top ten. Eight is Aaron Rodgers. Nine is Matt Ryan. Ten, Baker Mayfield. Carson Wentz, based on what the Super Bowl that he didn't even didn't even yeah. win for them. I, wow, yeah. that's that makes it sound even worse. Chad. I don't know about that. Having Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and Matt Ryan so low, and Kyler Murray so high, it makes no sense to me. What was the character from? You guys remember Semi Pro, the basketball movie <laughs> with Will Ferrell, Jackie Moon, Jackie Moon. Yeah, so Mannix that is played by Woody Harrelson, right? And he keeps getting his cojones busted by the. Um, you know, the best player on the team, young guy coming up, kind of arrogant. I forget his name. Uh, forgive me on that. Anyway, and keeps kind of – he Mannix, played by Woody Harrelson, is always flaunting his ring that he got from being on, on the Boston Celtics in the actual NBA, and they're playing in the ABA, right, which is a step down back then especially. And he keeps uh, – he would make fun of him that you didn't earn that. You you rode the bench. And that's basically what I think of, of Carson Wentz for yeah. that Super Bowl. Unfair to him, maybe – because he actually, he similar to Brock Osweiler's contribution that helped set the Broncos up for the Super Bowl. Wentz that year, I mean, can you remember? They absolutely throttled the Denver Broncos on the road in Philly that year. That's right. And Wentz was, I mean, he was almost 
unstoppable until he tore that ACL, and he just hasn't quite been the same since. Speaking of superstars, Dylan jumps in. $5 super. Thank you. Appreciate you, Dylan. You mean a lot to us, my friend. He says, pretty sure the Texans paid Brock. And if I remember correctly, Elway didn't offer up a top-shelf deal. Lazy and uninformed. That's true. It might have seemed like top-shelf money for a relatively unproven quarterback, talking about a guy who had seven starts in Brock Osweiler, but – 16 to 18 million somewhere. I think it was 16 million and he ended up getting 18 from the Texans. Zach, that was even for then, even right. for 2016, that was hardly top of the shelf money. That's actually a value deal when quarterbacks are making in the 20s. So that was not top shelf at all. And uh, that's a good word to use, Dylan. Lazy is the best accurate description of that article. You put no research into it, no facts. It's just your just laziness. I fully agree. Wanna agreeing with Zach on this point. And thanks for bringing that up to our attention as a reminder. It's an important yeah. part of this equation that Rosenthal is should get crucified for here. And that is the big thing on the article was they gave points for younger age and rookie contracts. So it makes this list yeah. bigger of a joke. Uh, Brian, maybe the biggest Zach Kelberman fan on the face of the earth. <laughs> Appreciate that super. Brian, $10 super. He says, Locke has a big test. Brady, Breeze, Big Ben. I think he can do it. He's the man. Go Broncos. Amen, Brian. I don't know if you're comparing him to those those quarterbacks, but he does have a big test coming. We'll see how it shakes out. Maybe those are the players he's he's going to go against this year. I'm not sure what, what you're saying there, but appreciate the contribution, my dog. Chris Sanders jumps in up in Canada. Hashtag state of being. Appreciate you, my friend. You, $5 super. He says, y'all think any current Broncos can make the 2020 all-decade team? Chubb, Fant, Reisner, Locke. Assuming we get to watch live football in the 2020. We will. Keep the faith, my friend. We yeah. will. Um, that's a really good question. It's a fun question. Maybe something that we'd have to ponder, but I think if anyone has a chance, you've you've listed them all. You've listed maybe Philip Lindsay, depending on what his, you know, de- depending on how his trajectory continues. But uh, yeah, I think he pretty much listed them all there. Justin Simmons is the only one I can think of. He's going to be a perennial pro bowler. Uh, I'm not going to say Noah Fant just yet, and I want to see Locke prove himself a little more, but Reisner, he's going to be a perennial all-pro player. Um, Cortland Sutton may be up there as well, but you pretty much listed, you pretty much hit on Bradley Chubb and Dalton Reisner. I think they will be on the 2020s all-decade team. Robert wants to know, do you think Locke has good pocket presence on YouTube? Robert, appreciate the question. That was one of the things that surprised me about Drew Locke is, you know, he didn't uh, think back to the Hall of Fame game, his actual debut in the preseason against the Atlanta Falcons. Very jittery, very kind of sketchy in the pocket. The player he was week 13, fast forward later into the into the winter, night and day, completely different. And I think a lot of that, as Vic Fangio rightly credits, has to do with the fact that, you know, going through those practices twice a day with the VR, you know, basically all the film study he was doing, everything in the playbook and the play calls down, it all bought him time to upload that, give it time for it to completely upload into that brain. And by the time he got to the, to the pocket in week 13, it wasn't perfect. He does need to still work on his platform being more consistent and his footwork. But as far as pocket presence and feel, how many times was he sacked Zach? Like three times, I think in five games. So that tells you a lot right there. You're talking about a guy who after his first preseason in game in the NFL, he didn't even know how to manage a huddle. He didn't know how to break a huddle. He was that raw. He went home and practiced in front of the mirror like he was some high school 
doing some high school play. I mean, that's just the level of commitment Drew Locke has to the game. And he grew leaps and bounds from every start. And it's what Chad and I were saying. He's not a guy that's going to sit and learn by looking and by someone telling him what to do. He's going to learn by doing, by being out in the field. His pocket presence is boosted by his mobility, his his ability to move up in the pocket, escape pressure. But he just has that natural feel for it. He can sense when the where the linebackers are, he can sense where his blockers are, where his receivers are down the field. And that's what you want to see in a quarterback, those incremental steps, that development. And that's what Drew Locke showed over the course of his five starts last year. And also his vision. You right. talked a lot, Zach, about that throw he made down the left sideline to Tim Patrick in that Texans game. Just seeing that window and Good then point. having the cashews to uncork yeah. the ball, and it was just a perfect throw into the future. I mean, that's there's just a lot to like about what Drew Locke showed. There's a reason why John Elway – who's the first guy to go chase the big-name veteran on the on the market, didn't even go after a guy named Tom Brady, okay? That's right. Jerry uh, jumps in on Facebook with a really good question. Do you think that Elway's contract, which expires, as we all know, at the end of 2021, plays a role in how he will make the first pick in this draft? And how do you feel it would or should make him aggressive, conservative? What's your answer, Zach? I don't think he's going to let his contract dictate, uh, you know, his draft picks. Drew, if anything, Drew Locke is going to dictate what he does in the draft, and he's pretty much tied himself to Drew Locke. But I think he feels a little more comfortable now. He's operating with more confidence because he has a first-year starter. He has a raw quarterback under center. That will buy him some time. He knows he still has a young coaching staff, just replaces offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. That will buy him some time. I think Elway knows no one's going to fire him. Joe Ellis is not going to fire him. John Elway runs the Broncos, and he bought himself some more leash by having Drew Locke, by drafting him, and then starting him for this season. He's going to let Drew Locke, if any factor other than his own feelings and, and, and his advisors, Drew Locke will dictate what he does in the draft, not his contract. Well said. Justin jumps in on Facebook. Good to see you, my friend. He says, what's up, guys? What would it take to jump up to 10, to pick 10, to ensure Ruggs or one of the big three wide receivers? Going from 15 to 10, it's probably going to cost you two third-round picks. That's probably going to be the going rate, depending. I think that's a pretty good barometer. I mean, look at what the Broncos, I don't know, maybe maybe a third and a fourth if you if you got the guy in a good mood, the opposing GM. Um, but the Broncos, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers went from 20 to 10 last year. Gave up two-thirds for the privilege to, to draft Devin Bush. So I think that's a solid – it's not a perfect apples-for-apples apples barometer or comparison, but I think probably two-thirds, I think that would probably get it done. And, uh, yeah, two-thirds. That would, I think, for sure, based on the draft value chart, that would get it done. It's only five spots, not like jumping up to the top five. But I don't know if i do that, though. I, I'd be happy with a third and a fifth, third and a fourth, maybe a pick swap in the sixth or seventh rounds. But two third-round picks in this top-heavy draft class, that's a lot of capital. DeWalter jumps back in, $5 super. Appreciate Thank that, you, DeWalter. Friend. He says, I'm answering Robert. It's unfair to judge Locke's pocket presence with the line we had this past year. It made him sketchy because of the immense pressure. I honestly never – look, dude, I've watched a lot of coaches' film. I'm not Bill Belichick over here, okay, despite my library of books <laughs> and stuff like that on football. I, I know what I'm, what I'm seeing. I did not get that he was sketchy in the pocket at all. In fact, if you think about Drew Locke, one of the biggest um, cons to his scouting report coming out of Missouri was his penchant for drifting back in the pocket. Think Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon was the king. I hated it. He would not just drift off to a – I mean, it's one thing when you're evading. Sometimes you just have to evade pressure. 
But the problem is some quarterbacks do it too early. They get spooked and they spring out of there early and throw everything off and expose themselves actually to more of a threat. And then sometimes they drift backward. And that was an ugly penchant that Locke had at Missouri. I didn't really see any of that in his five starts with the Broncos. Uh, He wasn't perfect, but even if he did have sketchy pocket presence, that's expected from not only a gunslinging quarterback, but a super, super raw quarterback making his first starts, coming off the bench, being hurt, being on the injured list. That's a big deal for someone like Drew Locke. So even if he did have those concerns, which I didn't see last year, it'd be acceptable. If he still has those concerns this year, that's a red flag, but I don't think we're going to see that. He's going to be a more well-rounded quarterback. And like Chad and I talked about, going 4-1 and one and showing what he did, those are massive accomplishments that can't be discounted. Orange Crush jumps in with a $5 super. Appreciate Thank you, you, my friend. He says, Rosenthal's rankings, almost as bad as Adam Rank's two-win prediction. Almost. Year. Well said, my friend. Yeah. And George... Checked in. This is dedication. This is a real fan. He's wearing the Mile High Huddle dad hat right there like a boss. I was not able to catch the show last night, but I did buy some more swag last That's night. That's awesome. awesome dude. Thank we you so much, George. You, Every little bit helps to uh, keep the lights on, as it were. So, you know, we appreciate you, my friend. All right. We're running out of time, so let me jump down here. We cannot and will not miss any of our super chats, our superstars. Bear with me one second here. I want to avoid it doing one of those jumps, and I can't always control that. So let me see what we got here. Quite a few that have stacked up, Zach, that we need to get to. Uh, Okay, let's grab Justin, and then I'm going to go double-check on YouTube. I think we might have missed one or two. I might have to put them in. Um, What's up, guys? Appreciate that $5 super, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Do you think not working receivers – do you think not working with receivers – so, of course, Locke planned on doing off-season workouts, throwing sessions – will slow down Locke's development during the offseason. Keep hating on us. You know, Zach, it's in a perfect world. You'd like to see him do that. But yeah. as long as they get their time in, in OTAs and camp, I think they're going to be all right. I do too. And and to that point, not putting him in a competition, meaning not splitting first string reps, him having all of the first string reps in training right. camp, that will be the biggest benefactor for his 2020 success. And also the fact that uh, most of the Broncos offensive skill position players, he's already worked with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fan, uh, Philip Lindsay, most of his offensive line. So it's only having that second wide receiver. It's having that new uh, right guard, new center, and in training camp, he will shake the rust off. So I don't think the lack of off-season workouts is going to hurt him too much. All right, we did miss two, so bear with me one sec. I'm going to grab Nad Ludlow real quick here and vault him on the screen. We appreciate you. He says, $3 super, appreciate Thank you, Nad. He says, lock 2020. That's right. Amen to that, my brother. And then we also missed Paul. Let me grab Paul one second here. It'll only take – couple of seconds to get him up on the screen. This is why we need to get like a third party producer, Zach, that can be in on this with us and like <laughs> take care of this stuff so that we can just focus on content. We're working toward it. Ladies we're, now, and gentlemen. we're now hiring. Hint, hint. Yeah, we're now hiring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul, appreciate that. $2 super. Thank My you, friend he says, trade up. Just imagine Isaiah Simmons. Perfect fit. Mm. It would be perfect. It would be phenomenal, Paul. But what are you willing to give up for the privilege? Are you right. willing to pay a quarterback premium to get a defensive weapon? Because if you are, you're going to be one of the few GMs in the history of the NFL that would prioritize a defensive weapon on the same scale, cost-wise, draft capital given up-wise, as a quarterback. 
Listen, I've been pounding the table for Isaiah Simmons. I, he is the one player in this draft class I would trade up for. I've said that he make the Broncos defense better than the Super Bowl 50 defense, and I mean that. But you have to ask yourself, are the Broncos and Isaiah Simmons away from winning a title? I don't think they are. They don't have a starting center. They don't have a wide receiver, too. But they have a franchise quarterback they're starting this year. That's more important. You can get by with Todd Davis as your inside linebacker. You really can't get by with Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton as your wide receiver, too. That, that's what it comes down to for me. Buana, I want to grab this. It's a really good question, even though we need to zero in on the Supers. He says, do you think the coaching staff will keep Justin Hollins at outside linebacker when injuries hit? Or Hopefully. do you think he'll move him back to inside linebacker and try that experiment? I don't know about you guys, but Justin Hollins at off-ball linebacker was an atrocious fail last year. Not only was it bad for him to have to juggle two different responsibilities, I mean, just ask Demarcus Walker how difficult that is to do as a rookie, but it just didn't play to his skill set. I know they loved and, and still do love his football acumen. He's got great football IQ, very smart player but he is an edge defender. You put him off the ball. He was a fish out of water. I didn't like what I saw from him, even in the preseason at off ball. So if the Broncos are smart, you never know, Buana, when injuries hit, how that can change the equation. But in a perfect world, you want to keep him on the outside, keep him at edge and just forget about it. Thank you, Chad. Perfectly said. I, I couldn't add anything more than that, but pick one position for the guy. I preferred being outside linebacker, but don't force him to learn both. Make him just wear a one hat, not two. And if that hat is outside linebacker, you know, the more the better. All right, Zach, let's rapid fire these last ones because we're getting a, lo- a little bit long here. DH3 with a $5 super. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. Good evening, fellas. How would you guys feel about a trade-up to grab Okuda? I feel we are unstable at corner as it stands right now. You know, depends on the cost. Again, it's a similar conversation, DH3, as, you know, what would it take to get yeah. Isaiah Simmons? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's probably going to be a comparable Paul, that you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up a couple of thirds probably in the first round next year as well. And that's a pretty steep premium. Now we're on the same page in agreeing with you that the Broncos need to make one more solid cornerback addition, whether that were on the free agent market or in a premium round, preferably round one or two, to really shore up and stabilize this this secondary, Zach. But trading up for Okuda, I'm, I don't know if I could get on board with that. As much as I like him, he's a great player. Right. I agree the Broncos are a little more unstable for my liking right now. They need to add one more cornerback, but I say the same thing I said about Simmons. Are they a Jeff Okuda away from winning a title? And they're not. They need other positions to be filled before cornerback. They just traded for Boye. They re-signed Devontae Bosby. They can add one more. It doesn't have to be in the first round, and they shouldn't have to sell the farm for that guy. So probably not. Dave jumps in with a $20 super chat up in Canada. Thank you, Dave. Dave. He says, your thoughts on the idea that the NFL conducts the draft by doing one round per day over a seven-day stretch. Each team, this is something that's building up some steam in the media, by the way. Each team would be given more time to execute their pick or trade under considerations of what's going on in our country right now. Nobody's going anywhere anyway. Cheers from Canada. I, I hear that, and I think it might end up making some sense, but waiting seven days to find out who they pick at, you know, 250 or whatever in the seventh round, that would be agonizing, but this is a unique situation. And if that's what the NFL feels like they need to do in order to make sure they that the NFL teams have the time and resources needed to make the right decisions in the draft, then I'm all for it. But I'll be surprised if it ends up happening. Yeah, I don't see how it would be a competitive advantage or you know, it would be fair to all the teams involved if a, a one team made a pick and they had an entire day where they have that pick and they have their player already. It just wouldn't be... 
uh, in the best interest of the NFL. And they might add some more minutes to each pick, Chad. They may go to 15, 17 minutes, whatever. I don't see one one round per day for seven days. Even if they want to stretch this out, they're still owning the, the TV landscape right now. They're owning the world's attention right now, considering what's going on, just having the draft. So I don't think I like that idea. Let's grab our friend Dale, jump, uh, jumping in from Hawaii, a true superstar. And we really appreciate you, Dale. Yes. $25 super. That's amazing. Says, Great job. I've got a daughter on the front lines there in Denver. Shout out to all the frontline medical personnel fighting the, you know what, keep the faith, better days ahead. Dale, we agree with you 100%. It, true heroes that are, that are uh, on the front lines and your daughter being one of them. I mean, that is... Our prayers are with her. Our thoughts are with her and any of our great listeners and not just listeners, but anyone out there who is on the front lines trying to bolster and protect everybody from this problem. God bless your daughter, Dale. And uh, from Chad and I, I tell her that we, we appreciate her service. It means the world and it's saving lives. So it's amazing. All right, guys, we got to wrap this up for tonight. Thank you for joining us. We ran a little bit long, but that's okay because it gave us more opportunity to talk with you guys and engage with you guys. We got to get out of here for tonight, though, but we'll be back in the saddle Wednesday night, 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, guys, make sure there's a reminder that you are following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and also at Mile High Huddle. And while you're at it, if you're on Twitter, make sure you're following my partner here, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL and myself at Chad and Jensen. There will be a Building the Broncos podcast tomorrow night going live at 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern. So stay tuned for that. Have your draft questions ready for Nick and Carl. I'm sure it'll be a phenomenal conversation. And until then, Zach, my brother, have a great start to your week. You as well, Chad. And I just want to highlight this uh, this comment by Buana. It's not Broncos country anymore. It's Broncos world. We That's love right. that, and it's, it's fact. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you. That's right. Well said. We'll end on that note. For Zach, I'm Chad. We'll see you guys Wednesday night. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.